and Beauty Podcast starts right now. Back for another semester here on the Asmund and Butik Show. Dan Butik alongside Jake Asmund. And Jake, today we're going to be joined by WFAN Jets beat reporter Chris Lepresti. The season under a week away. And the Jets, a lot of new faces, a lot of new names. Some returning names should be an exciting year. No question. And first off, I'll start by saying it's really good to be back on the airwaves. And we appreciate everyone, as always, tuning into our shows all summer when we were on WGBB on Long Island. It meant a lot that we got a lot of some of the same callers that call into the Asmund and Budic show here in Ithaca that called us out on Long Island. So thank you to all those callers. I think it was only right if we start off thanking everyone that contributed over the summer. But we're certainly excited to be back. And we're starting off the the new year talking to one of our favorite local beat reporters, Chris Lepresti of WFAN, as Dan just said. does a great job covering the New York Jets. And listen, we're both big Jet fans. If you listen to the show, you know that. But you know a lot of storylines surrounding this Jets team, including Geno Smith's jaw. Who would have thought that would have been a storyline <laughs> yeah. a couple weeks ago? Sheldon Richardson and his uh, ability to go 141 miles per hour. But a lot to get to with this New York Jets team, a team that we're very optimistic about. We think they have a chance to compete for a playoff spot, but a lot of things have to go right for them, and it obviously starts with what they're going to get out of Ryan Fitzpatrick in the quarterback position, Dan. Well, it's very important, and it's going to be interesting to see what they get out of them just because of the fact that Geno was supposed to be this team's quarterback and has suffers the injury because of the fight, the jaw injury, and it was very disappointing, and I, Todd Bowles expressed his disappointment, but I'm excited to see Ryan Fitzpatrick and how he plays in this offense. We've seen him a little bit in the preseason, uh, and if he can, we've spoken about this off the air, if Ryan Fitzpatrick could play efficient football, manage the game, don't turn it over like he did in the Giants preseason game last week, well, now two weeks ago, the Jets are going to have a lot of success offensively. There's no doubt about it, but if they turn over the football a lot, it could be a long season. It all really comes down to how number 14 plays. And you could break down this team any way you want. We know this defense is going to be pretty good. There might even be a great defense. Well, look at the, 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 look at the guys on defense no that question. they have. Stars, but, really, at every position. Oh, You're absolutely right. But it comes down to the quarterback spot. If Ryan Fitzpatrick can manage this offense, we're not asking him to go out there and throw three touchdowns every week like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers will. That's not what the Jets need. They'll take it, no question. But they're looking for a guy that can manage this offense and put the defense in a, in a position to win the game. And the defense should be able to do that if they're holding teams to under 20-something points per game. You bring back Darrell Revis. You bring back Antonio Cromartie. You draft Leonard Williams. Wilkerson's still back. You re-sign David Harris. You know, the list goes on and on. The Jets have a lot of reasons to be really optimistic about their defense. And, you know, there's certainly no question that if you're the New York Jets, you're – confident in your defense you don't know about your offense just yet but they added Brandon Marshall Decker's now the number two wide receiver you would think in this new system if they could just keep up with uh you know some teams offenses around the league just be a solid average offense this team could win 10 games it's not out of the question and I look forward to speaking to Chris Lepresti just to hear his opinion on how Todd Bowles has handled everything you know first year head coach he's handling a fight in the locker room between the quarterback and a, a bat backup third stringer on defense and of course a star defensive lineman getting suspended Uh, who knows what's going to happen with that four games could be more we don't know the situation there so it's a lot that Todd Bowles have had to handle has had to handle and before we've even played a regular season game no question it's really unfortunate because I know Dan and I we've spoken about this a lot when we were off the air all summer the Jets were having arguably the greatest offseason ever it was phenomenal it was great they were doing nothing wrong. McKagan was making all the right moves. And then Sheldon Richardson decided to be an idiot, for lack of a better word there, and and really hurt this football team with, with the drug suspension. 
uh, for the for the uh, the marijuana, and of course the the, the pending uh, increased suspension for what he did, you know, driving 140 well, miles think, per hour with a 12 year old in the car. Well, I think that is the issue. Listen, he got suspended four games for marijuana. That happens. It's disappointing, and the Jets were disappointed. But then you hear about the driving 140 miles an hour and. And the fact that this is an impeding investigation, that is where you're disappointed is that Leonard Williams didn't learn from his mistakes and put the really put the Jets at liberty to to look bad. And that do they do. They look bad. Yeah, no question. It's just another act that happens to the Jets uh, that makes the Jets that look makes bad. It, yeah, to the media, it's, it's very disappointing with a franchise that have gone through so much in the last couple of years, really so much nonsense. It just adds to it. It's very disappointing. And it's frustrating because right after Sheldon does some, does something incredibly stupid, Geno Smith says, I can raise you that one plus something else and gets punched in the jaw by uh, by his own teammate. And that was a huge distraction for this football team. I'm not going to sit here and say that the Jets are better off without Geno Smith under center because I truly believe that Geno Smith has a higher upside than Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I believe in the short, in the, in, you know, in, in the short run that the Jets might be a better team because Ryan Fitzpatrick That's has to point. just manage this offense. Geno Smith's the ultimate boomer bust player. We'd seen him have great games. We'd seen him drop back and, and throw three interceptions in his first three passes. For the Jets, they're not looking for a guy that has that wow factor at the quarterback spot. They're looking for a guy that can manage the offense, score enough points to allow this defense to go to work on opposing teams' offenses and, and keep them out of the end zone. And if they could do that, the Jets could be a dangerous team, but we'll certainly find out how it will unfold. But the bottom line is, Dan, for this Jets team, it starts and ends with the play of Ryan Fitzpatrick under center. And that's the big question mark, and we're going to get to it all with Crystal Presti of WFN right after this. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gus Buster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GusBuster.com and get your GusBuster today. You are listening to the Asman and Butic podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Welcome back to the Asman and Budick Show. Joining us on the phone line right now is WFN Jets beat reporter Chris Lepresti. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Chris, it's it's not the New York Jets unless we're talking about Geno Smith. So let's start with Geno. How did you think Todd Bowles handled that situation and the Sheldon Richardson situation, for that matter, as well? Yeah, I thought I thought Todd Bowles handled everything pretty well throughout the course of the summer and training camp and into the preseason. Um, I understand that when you take a job as an NFL head coach, you, you recognize that there are probably going to be some, some unfortunate off-the-field things that you have to deal with, guys getting into trouble. But I don't think uh, going into your first head coaching job you can possibly plan for or expect your starting quarterback to get punched out in the locker room by a second-year backup linebacker. So uh, Bowles was tested early on. Um, I thought he came across well dealing with the Geno and the Sheldon situations. Um, very matter of fact, with Richardson, it was kind of a mix of you know frustration, aggravation, but also some concern and some sympathy and some compassion for him, which I thought uh, was kind of a nice mix of what Sheldon probably needed. Um, you know, he certainly needed to recognize that what he did was wrong and that he can't continue that type of behavior. But uh, you also don't want the Jets and from the coaching staff on down to his teammates to turn their back on him. 
And with the Geno situation, um, I think Bowles really let the, the locker room know right away, look, it is what it is, and we're going to have to move forward and, and get focused on the things that we need to accomplish here in training camp. So really from day one when the Geno news came out, when we talked to a lot of players later that day, just hours after that had happened, uh, it was sort of a, a mission statement from the entire team was that, well, you know, it is what it is, and, and we got to move forward now with Ryan Fitzpatrick as our quarterback. So Bowles didn't really let them dwell on that much. Uh, obviously it was a blow because Geno was going to be the starter unless he completely fell on his face in the preseason, which I didn't anticipate happening. Um, so I, you know, I thought they did a good job of not wasting any time and just getting right back to work with Fitzpatrick. So uh, there were a couple of bumps in the road, some landmines that Bowles had to kind of deal with, but I think he came through it pretty well. Uh, but, you know, the real questions will be answered uh, once we get going in the regular season here, and uh, we'll see how prepared his team actually is when they get onto the field Sunday against the Browns. Chris, just jumping back to Geno Smith for a second, when he does return and is eligible uh, to compete and play for the Jets, do you think it's going to be tough uh, for him to get uh, command of that locker room again? Uh, I think there could be some issues there. I mean, teammates have said the right things about him so far since he's gotten back into the locker room and into meetings. They said he's there, you know, he's working hard, he's studying film. Um, you know, those are all the things that they're saying publicly. But, you know, I have to believe at this stage now, in his third year, with some of the incidents that he's been involved in throughout the course of his young career here in the NFL, that there have to be some internal questions about him, and I think that's natural. I think a lot of us on the outside certainly have questions about him, and, and I think if you hooked all these guys up to a lie detector test or shot them up with truth serum in the locker room, there are probably some guys in there that aren't really sure if Geno Smith is really a starting quarterback in this league, not just from a performance standpoint on the field, but from a leadership standpoint on and off the field. So I do think he has some work to do there. Ultimately, uh, the, that decision, though, is going to be based on how Ryan Fitzpatrick plays. If when Geno Smith is healthy and ready to return and the Jets are struggling, Fitzpatrick's struggling, the offense isn't uh, producing points, well, they're probably going to go back to Geno whether or not the, like room, the locker room likes it or not. So to an extent, uh, I do think he has some some uh, damage control to do there and some relationships to, uh, to, to repair or to at least get guys back on the same page, back in his corner, feeling like he can be an answer for them. Um, but, you know, wins and losses talk, and that's really what it's going to come down to in terms of the coaching staff making a decision if and when Geno gets healthy. Now, Chris, in your opinion, is this team better off with Ryan Fitzpatrick under center, at least to start off the regular season? No, I don't think necessarily. Um, I think maybe there's a little bit more stability because Fitzpatrick is is probably not as much of a boomer bust player as Geno is. Uh, you kind of know what you're going to get. I mean, it's a guy that's been in the league a long time. There's a bigger body of work. You know, there's a reputation. There's an M.O. Uh, there's a lot more film to look at. Uh, different offenses Ryan Fitzpatrick has run in the past. But I, I think from a physical standpoint, you're taking a step back. I, I do think that Chan Gailey is going to have to get a little bit more creative and probably uh, tailor his offense and rein it in a little bit to work with Ryan Fitzpatrick's skill set. Um, he doesn't have as strong an arm as Geno. He's not able to drive the football to the outside, uh, outside the hash marks to the opposite sideline, or at least not with enough velocity where you're going to feel comfortable calling those kind of plays regularly. But what he is going to do is provide leadership on the field, get you in, into and out of the huddle you know, with, uh, with efficiency, make sure that he's got the defenses lined up, you know, where, where's the protection need to be, where's the middle linebacker, you know, where, where's the blitz coming from, uh, all those things I think that uh, Fitz has going for himself. But just, again, the physical, the physical side of things, there's a reason why this brand-new coaching staff and this new regime inherited Geno Smith and didn't say 
at the beginning of uh, the offseason, OTAs, minicamp, training camp, hey, this is a 50-50 quarterback competition. Ryan Fitzpatrick has a chance to come win the job. No, it was Geno Smith, it's your job to lose. He's going to be the starter. He's going to get the reps, all the reps with the first team, and that's the way it was going until he got hurt. So I think when you look at that, considering the staff has no ties to Geno, they didn't draft him, they're not in bed with him, so to speak, and he was still going to be the guy for them, I think tells you all you need to know. Um, so we'll see how Fitzpatrick does with this with this offense, which certainly has plenty of weapons at his disposal. But am I going to be surprised if in the middle of the season the Jets and the offense are struggling a little bit and Todd Bowles and his staff decide to go back to Geno Smith? I will not be surprised at all by that. Chris, you've been around the team a couple of years now. Uh, a new regime, like you just said, with Coach Bowles and his coaching staff. Is there a different feeling around this team than maybe last year going into this season around this time? A little bit. I think at this time of year, and it's easy to forget, uh, even for, for those of us that have been around the team for multiple years, you know, you're a full, we're a full year removed from remembering what it felt like last year with Rex Ryan and company. So there's, a lot of, there's always a lot of optimism and positivity surrounding, for the most part, surrounding NFL teams this time of year. And obviously the Jets have done some things to maybe get in the way of that this summer, and there's some other teams around the league that are having their own myriad of issues. But I do think there's some optimism. I do think that Mike McCagden certainly made some nice additions in free agency. Uh, he's turned the roster over a little bit. You look at just the roster decisions they made the other day when they cut down the 53. Um, I think the bottom half of this roster, the bottom third, probably has a little bit better depth than they had a year ago. And just from a from a coaching standpoint, with Bowles and the new staff, there is a there is a different feeling. I mean, Todd Bowles is pretty much the polar opposite of Rex Ryan in terms of personality. So there's a much more buttoned-up, business-like feel to this team for now. Again, let's see that carry into the regular season if and when they start losing games and they're facing some adversity when, when the games count. I think then we'll really find out what they're all about. But from the get-go, since Bowles has, has taken over, there's definitely a different vibe around them. Um, I think he has instilled that in his team, and for the most part it seems that message has been received, at least at the start here. Guys seem to be focused. They seem to have their priorities straight, um, and, and they seem to be ready to go. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that carries into the regular season again when they, start to, when they start to run into some issues. That's when you really find out what a team's all about. And we're talking with WFAN Jet Beat reporter Chris Lepresti. Chris, I want to switch things up and talk about the other side of the ball for the Jets. A lot of talk surrounding this defense. They bring back Darrell Rivas. They bring back Antonio Cromartie. They make all the moves in the offseason to address that secondary. What have you seen from this defense in training camp, and how good do you think that this defense can really be? Well, certainly on paper, we're expecting big things from them. And when you spend that much money in free agency to bring in a lot of guys, specifically in the secondary, to upgrade what was the worst part of that defense last year, your expectations are, are going to increase. So, um, you know, it's it's hard sometimes to get a sense in preseason because they're playing a lot of vanilla defense. The starters are not getting that many reps together in preseason games, especially when you've got a lot of veterans you know, I watched a guy like Antonio Camardi struggle throughout camp, at least to us, to an untrained eye. It looked that way. He's giving up plays left and right on the practice field, but he's telling you, well, you know, you guys don't necessarily know what you're looking at. You don't know what defense, what call we're in. I might be working on something specific on a certain play. So I try not to draw too many conclusions based on what we see out on the practice field in the summer or in the preseason games because time and time again, that's not what translates to the regular season. I think what's important is, for the most part, 
Um, this defense, at least the starting group, is pretty healthy going into the regular season. Muhammad Wilkerson's got himself back uh, back on the field coming back from that hamstring injury. Leonard Williams avoided any sort of major knee injury when he went down in the Giants' preseason game. Um, they're getting their outside linebackers back. Calvin Pace was down a little bit. Lorenzo Malden, third-round rookie that's looked really good in camp. Uh, he's got his knee healthy. So I think they should be able to hit the ground running in week one, and I'm anxious to see – once they start game planning for teams, you know, what this Bulls defense is going to look like here with the Jets because, uh, you know, the personnel is a little bit different than it was in Arizona, and they were really banged up last year, the Cardinals' D. So Bulls, Bulls had to get extra creative. They did a ton of blitzing. I'm anxious to see if he's going to do that again here, especially since he should be able to let his corners on the outside play one-on-one. So, you know, are we going to see um, – you know, the safety's coming down into the box, blitzing off the edge, supporting in the run game. There's a lot of questions that are hard for me to answer right now just because they weren't going to tip their hand in the preseason. But, again, on paper, they certainly have the talent uh, to be a very successful, uh, you know, productive defense this year. There's no reason to believe otherwise. And assuming they can stay healthy, they, they should do a good job and put this offense in a good position in terms of field position and, uh, you know, putting them in a position where they can put some points on the board. So there's plenty of reason for optimism. Chris, with Darrell Revis coming back into the fold for the Jets, is the feeling that he's going to take more of a leadership role on this defensive unit? I think that Revis is a natural leader in terms of the way he just carries himself day in and day out in the locker room, on the practice field, and certainly uh, on game day on Sundays. So I don't know that I don't know that he's the biggest rah rah guy, and he certainly doesn't come across that way with us media wise. But I do think behind closed doors, he's a guy that the youngsters are, are certainly going to lean on and look up to. Um, and I've noticed it with youngsters like a D. Milner or a Dex McDougal. I mean, they're they're certainly paying attention to what Revis does, uh, and you just kind of watch them follow him around on the practice field. But it, he lets his he lets his play do the talking for him. Uh, and the one thing you can say about Revis is, uh, I mean, say what you want about his contract negotiations and how much money he's made and how he's really mastered the uh, you know the CBA and ma- and, ca- and cashing in and capitalizing as much as possible, but. He doesn't dog it. I mean, I watched him all summer go out and pretty much give 100 to 110% every day in practice. He doesn't take reps off. He's ultra-competitive. Uh, he's a hustler. Uh, he's a, a diligent uh, student in terms of studying film. We asked him after the Giant preseason game, when are you going to start taking a look at the Browns for week one? He said, oh, I've already done my homework on the Browns. And then I followed up and asked him, how many opponents for the season have you looked at already? And he said, I've looked at most of them. I've got a couple more to do. I mean, this is a guy that, before he even got to training camp, had done most of his film work uh, on, his, uh, on his opponents for the season. So those are the kind of things, just those work habits and that effort that I think filters down naturally through the, uh, throughout the rest of the roster, specifically to those young guys in the secondary. Now, Chris, we go from talking about Darrell Revis, who's been a veteran in this league for many years, to a young player in Leonard Williams that the Jets are really counting on, especially early on when Sheldon Richardson serves his suspension. What's a reasonable expectation for the rookie making his debut against the Browns on Sunday? I think you're going to see a lot of him. I mean, he's pretty much been running with the ones since, since the day he walked in because if you go back to OTAs and minicamp, or OTAs, I should say, 
Richardson wasn't around much. Uh, Wilkerson certainly wasn't because he was, you know, not unhappy with his contract situation. So there were plenty of reps for Williams for Leonard Williams from day one, and then Wilkerson goes down for a lot of the preseason with the hamstring, and Sheldon's running with the second team because of the suspension. So, you know, you're going to see a lot of Leonard Williams, and you're going to see him used in a lot of different situations. Um, I, if I had to compare him as a rookie to maybe what you can expect. It would probably be more like if I had to guess what Sheldon's rookie season was like, and what I mean by that is uh, I think he's probably going to be more effective as a run stopper than a pass rusher right off the get-go. Um, that's, the, that's the part that takes a little while, I think, at the next level is learning how to set up uh, very talented opposing NFL offensive linemen and, and, and the, the, myri- the myriad of pass rush moves he's going to need to have in his arsenal to get after the quarterback consistently. So I don't know that you're going to see him blowing up quarterbacks in the backfield as much as maybe a speed edge defender coming into the league or a guy that's really dominated at the NFL level. But that's part of his game that you hope develops over time. I think just what the Jets are looking for him off at the get-go is be able to go out there, handle his responsibilities, you know, maintain his gap control, uh, help in the run game, um, and, and, and be an effective player for them that gives them a lot of reps. So uh, I don't think you want to set expectations too high, even though everyone considered him as one of the best, if not the best players in this year's rookie class. Um, there's certainly a lot of optimism. There's upside. There's a reason to believe that he's going to turn into a real nice player for them. But um, you know, from the get-go, I think they just want to make sure he executes his, his assignments takes care of his responsibilities and stays healthy until they can get Sheldon back. Chris, before we let you go, you look at this team uh, less than a week away from opening day against the Browns next Sunday. Where's this team going to finish at the end of the season? You know, I really have been from anywhere to seven to nine wins pretty consistently since we opened camp. Um, It's not a huge window, and quite honestly, it's not me going out on a limb because that's where the majority of teams in the NFL seem to finish every year. You get a lot of teams, right? If you look at over-unders out there in Vegas, you got a lot of teams in that 7-9 to nine range. So um, I, I look at them as an 8-8 eight and eight team right now. Um, I thought with Geno healthy uh, before he got hurt, I thought there was some upside to think maybe they could get to 10 if he figured it out, put it together, and it really capitalized on the immense physical talent he had. And if he took advantage of some of these added weapons, it seemed he and Brandon Marshall were developing a really nice rapport. Um, it's not anything against Ryan Fitzpatrick, and there's a chance he can go in and play play well enough to help them win some games and, and get them through the early part of the schedule. It's just I just have a hard time believing that uh, he's going to get through this entire season. It's a guy that's bounced around the league. I believe it's his sixth team he's going to start games for now. And the fact that the Houston Texans decided, okay, we're going to ship him out of town and bring in Brian Hoyer as our starter, who really struggled at times last year in Cleveland, just tells me that we really, we really need to probably temper our expectations on Fitzpatrick. Um, he's a limited player. He certainly has his shortcomings. So does Geno. But I just think the upside with Geno is higher. Uh, it's better. So I do expect at some point we're probably going to see Geno start games again. I don't know that it's going to translate into any, ty- any type of big-time success. But um, I think we're probably looking at a team that's going to be right around the 500 mark. It's WFAN Jets beat reporter Chris Lepresti. Chris, thank you so much for a couple minutes of your time. Yeah, thanks, Chris. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Asman and Budic podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.